Dunalley's school was my primary school rivals. They were the kids who had the better facilities. They had the better football pitch, the better teachers, the better grades. But there was one thing, one thing that was always up for debate. Who had the best football team? Every year, titanic battles would erupt on the football field as little seven-year-old boys ran until they could run no more. Tears were common, and every year it was tight. And I remember one year where I played, and my team were 4-0 up. 4-0 up with 20 minutes to play. This was going to be one of the biggest wins our school had ever recorded. I hadn't scored, in fact, I hadn't contributed much, which was fairly typical of my sporting career. But my team were 4-0 up, 20 minutes to go. All of a sudden, a referee decision goes against us. A free kick is, is given against me, to be honest. It was a handball. But um, it was unfair. It, it only touched my hand briefly. But it was still unfair. The ball is kicked in. Our goalie slips on the muddy turf. The ball is tapped in by Donnelly. 4-1. 4-1. At this point, our captain takes on the role of captain. Gathers us together, age seven. I still remember him today, Darren standing there before us, and he said to us, Idiots! I can't play with you! Just kick the ball to me! The rest of us stood there nodding, inside thinking, we're going to get you on Monday. (laughs) Kick off, we kick off straight away. Our captain, furious with rage, goes on a run by himself, beats one, beats two, beats three, and then is tackled fairly fairly, to be honest. Rolls on the floor crying because he thinks it's a foul. Donnelly goes to the other end. It's neat passing on the sloppy pitch as all 11 men follow the one ball as it's typical in seven-year-old football. Suddenly, a cross is kicked in. One of our defenders slices it. 4-2. At this point, our captain tries a different technique, which is to kick the defender that scored the own goal. And this is not made up. This is true. At this point, 4-2, we're still... Five minutes to go. We're still two goals to the good. Surely nothing can happen at this point. Kick off. The ball comes to me. Always a dangerous choice. I kick it as hard as I can. It goes about ten feet. <laughs> Donnelly pick up the ball. Kick the ball long. Once again, there's striker. The biggest boy you've ever seen. We're pretty sure he was nine years old and not seven. <laughs> Rumour was he was a year six. Runs straight through the middle rounds. Our goalie, 4-3. One minute to go, still one goal up. Our captain by this point has got his mum on to shout at us. The referee has to move her off the pitch. I'm not joking, the mum got involved. There is nothing scarier at age seven than someone else's mum telling you that you're not doing very good. Four, three, one minute to go, surely it's going to be fine. At this point though, to be honest, our team, team morale is broken. We, we, are, we, we are no longer playing as a team. It's, it's all, all for one and... And all for one, to be honest. We're just running aimlessly anywhere we can away from our goal. At this point, Danali are picking us off easily. The ball is kicked along. One of our defenders collides with the other defender. They both fall down. Our goalie runs out to try and clear the ball. Miss kicks it. It only goes a little bit. And it has to be said, it was a good goal. But their big striker, once again, lobs our goalie. Puts it in the far corner. For all. At this point, our captain leaves the field. <laughs> With his mum. <laughs> We're playing with ten men because our sub didn't turn up and actually the other sub had forgotten his shorts and wasn't allowed to play. 
The referee whistle blows. We draw four all. It feels like a defeat. It's sickening. Four nil to four all in 20 minutes. And I remember our teacher just sat there. As he sat there at the end of the game, this little seven-year-old's sniffling and cold, their little goosebumps on their legs. And he says, lads, I don't care about the, the result. And at one point, one lad said, I do. And he goes, no, I don't care about the result. He said, I've always said to you guys, I'm happy if we lose as long as we play together as a team. He said, I'm sad that we didn't do that in the end. And we all went home. A lesson learned. And a good story to tell. But you may be wondering, why am I telling you a story about football when we're talking about tidying rooms? Well, Philippians, where our reading comes from today, starts with Paul trying to encourage a church who are under attack. Things are going wrong. Paul's in prison. He's writing it to them from prison. And you might be thinking to yourself, what sort of advice would you give to a team? Do you do what the captain in my story did? Come on, you idiots. Just do your best. Kick harder, run faster, be stronger. Is that the sort of approach? Well, actually, what's interesting is that Paul writes to a church who are going to face attack of various kinds. And he says, you guys need to be servants of one another. You need to be servants of one another. It seems bizarre to me. Why would you? That's not really a pep talk. And yet Paul knows that this thing about serving each other is really, really important. Now, I've got a quick question I want you to just ask as I've kind of set it up for you in your pairs. Okay? Does God care about tidy bedrooms? is the question I want to ask you. Does God care about tidy bedrooms? Okay. Um, can you have a little discussion there? And I'll be honest, don't, don't, don't just go, yes, because we're in church. And that has to be the right answer. Does God really care about tidy bedrooms? Can you have a little discussion uh, where you are? That'd be great. If you were in the yes camp, raise your hand. If you're in the yes camp, raise your hand. Okay. Oh, I'd be, be bold. If you're in the yes camp, you think God does care about tidy bedrooms, raise your hand. If you think, no, God doesn't really care about tidy bedrooms, raise your hand. Nice and high. If you opted out of the exercise for theological reasons, opt- no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. If you're not sure, you're not sure. You're not sure. You're not sure. Well, hopefully I'm going to try and tell you, because it would be rubbish for you guys to come to a service today and just think that all we're about telling you is, good little Christians tired of their bedrooms. Because actually... While it may be a nice message, it's not the whole thing, is it? It's not the whole thing. And we're going to try and do it. So here's a question, which is a better question. And this is the last bit of discussion you're going to do. If you don't like it, I apologise. But um, it's useful to try and hear from each other. Um, why is putting others first so hard to do? Because this is the root of the issue. It's not just about having a tidy bedroom. You know, if all your house is tidy and you tidy your bedroom and you don't do it for someone else, you do it for yourself, is that a good thing? If you have a tidy bedroom, just show off your bedroom and just go, check out my bedroom. My bedroom's so tidy, you can smell Febreze even in the air. Is that, is, that, is that what God's looking for? Is God looking for proud people who go around saying, look how tidy my bedroom is? See, it's not as simple, is it? But why is putting others first so hard to do? Just to where you are, this is the last question. Why is putting others first so hard to do? I'm going to get some feedback on this one. So why is putting others first so hard to do? Have a little discussion where you are, please. Yeah, it's tricky because, absolutely right, I think the big problem is inside, isn't it? Inside, if we put others first, that means that we're second. That's the problem with me putting other people first. I have to be second. Or sometimes, if there's more than one person, because of the way they work it out, they're all first, I'm kind of seventh or eighth or, or ninth or, or even thirteenth. And it's hard because we want to be first. Don't we want to be the one that's loved and respected? And we want to be the one that people look at and treat well. And yet... It's tricky. Any other thoughts? Why is it, why is it hard putting others first? Why is it so hard putting others first? 
Is it that? Do you think it's that? And so here's the question. Here's the question. If you kept a tidy room, but inside in your heart, you were all about making yourself look good, do you think God's pleased with you? No. So it obviously goes deeper. However, if your room is untidy and you know that it's actually being a real big problem for your family, and maybe even when your parents' friends come to stay, they can smell teenager as they walk in the room. (laughs) Or on a more serious note, actually, that you're creating in family life a bit of trouble and stress, and actually we've got to put this first. Do you think God then cares about your tidy room? Yeah. So this is where it gets a bit tricky, because we're not here to try and say to you today, go and tidy your room. What I'm trying to say to you guys today is love each other. And let's take it beyond the room context, because some of you may be thinking, do you know what, my kids have left home and my house has never been tidier. <laughs> this service is going right over my head, but for some reason I feel smug about it. <laughs> ah! The problem is this. Taking it deeper, if we're actually thinking about to follow God means to put others first. So God first, others next, me last is the way I try and remember it. God first, others next, me last. That, it means that in every aspect of life, every aspect of life, this one thing really, really matters. That we serve. Because I'm going to read this. I'm going to read this. This is from Philippians chapter 2. Uh, we've had a kind of a paraphrase version, but it's always good to, to read it together. Listen, listen to this. This is uh, Philippians chapter 2, um, starting at verse 5. It says this. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God. Those are great words. And there's a couple of things which I guess I want to just illustrate briefly for us today. And um, the question, I guess, is, well, why bother serving? Why bother serving? Why should we do this? Rather than just saying, it would be nice if you go home and have nice families. Um, Let's have a look. Why serve? Well, Jesus serves. It's always a good thing. He did it first. God never asks us to do something he's not willing to do himself. And if you consider how much Jesus gave up, you know, he sat there in the heavenly realms, glorious, perfect, just, it's, it's a hard picture to grasp. And yet he deliberately was sent, chosen to come and save us, to give up everything he had to serve us. That's, that's pretty mind-blowing. I know that for me, um, in marriage, when, when it works best is when both of us are seeking to, 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 to reflect that in each other. I serve Claire, Claire serves me. We, we seek to, to live in a way that encourages one another to, to, to go on to greater acts of generosity. Jesus serves. Now, I've got a little bit of a trick I want to try and show you to illustrate the next one. Makes us one. Because Paul wrote to a church that was struggling and he said, you need to serve even when things are tough. Um, I need two volunteers, two kiddie volunteers. Um, we're going to try a little magic trick. Don't worry, it's not dangerous. Uh, you two look perfect. Come up here. Give him a little round of applause, please. Are you two girls strong? Is the right answer. Good. Okay, we have two sheets of paper. Um, Hold these. And hold these. And we're going to try to kind of illustrate serving by linking them together. So they're, they're all putting each other first, if you can see what I mean. Okay. Face each other here. Okay. Now, I want you to just hold your sheets. Just hold your sheets here. Just this one. That's it. And just hold your sheets, both hands. Now, okay, 
here's the thing. If only a couple of people put each other first, try and pull your paper apart, just pull it. How hard is that? Not that hard. This is the problem. If only a few people serve in a church, but everyone else is out, all out for themselves, the church doesn't have much strength. However, if we try, and this, I hope this really works. Okay. There's always a danger doing these things, especially when you get cheap magic books from the library. Just so you can check, normal books. Normal books, fill the pages. Any glue, fill the pages. Any glue, fill the pages. No, good. Okay, if we interlock these pages in a sign, kind of saying, well, each one is going to put the other first. If you can see what I'm doing. Can you see that they're trying to put each other above each other themselves? Can you? I'm not making much sense. But the paper is trying to lift each other up. Okay, so we're going to interlock it like so. And if everyone's doing this, uh, feel free to twiddle your thumbs while I sort this out. Imagine these two books represent all the different people in church, and we're all trying to serve each other by putting each other first. Just like so. It's all right, this is part of the trick, don't worry, it's not gone wrong, Helen. I'm just building the suspense, that's what the book said. It said, feel free to build the suspense. Okay, now, okay, all I want you to do is hold that end. Okay, hold that end. Okay, now all we've done is the same thing, okay? In these bits of paper, yeah? We just interlocked a couple of sheets of paper and pulled them apart. It was easy. Now, hold it nice and tight here. Hold it nice and tight there. And I want you to try and pull those books apart. Pull, pull, pull. Okay, I'll help, ready? Pull, pull. Um, Jeff. Let's do it, buddy. Just your side, pull. God, that's good. Yeah, that is good. This is one of your better <laughs> illustrations. <laughs> and just to show, there was no glue. Nothing. You see, here's the point. Thank you, guys. Give me a big round of applause. See, Paul knew that if we serve each one another, we get to know each other in vulnerability. Because to serve means you get to see each other's needs. You get to see each other as they really need help. You get to, to see each other at both their best and their worst. And that bonds you in a way that can't be broken. If we were a church who were known as a group of people who served one another and served the community, even when the community was out to get you, even when relationships are hard, I promise you it becomes as sticky as that book. Those pages interlocked perfectly, trying to serve one another, trying to know how they could best fit together. That's not a bad message for us. I think if you're in a family, you seek, rather than just trying to bully someone to do what, 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 what you want them to do, if you actually talked it through and said, actually, here's how I serve you. Here's how I want to help you. How can I help you do this? It might break a deadlock that's been formed for a while, hasn't it? Maybe. Who knows? Some teenagers are just irrational. And cutting electricity is a great idea. But before we do that, maybe we can start to think, well, spiritually, let's try and talk to our teens and our kids and our families and our wives to say, well, actually, think how much God's done for us. Is this a big deal? And if it is a big deal, say, well, actually, how can we help each other get through this? On the marriage course, how many of you on the marriage course? Yeah, it's a good course. And um, I would recommend it to you. There's one going right now. And Nikki and Scylla tell the story of being door openers and closers, drawer openers and closers. Do you remember that one? So I think Scylla left all the drawers open. And Nikki kept going around saying, please shut the drawers. And she was like, just forgetting to. And then one day, one of their kids got hurt on an open drawer. And Nikki was like, see, now you're going to do it. And she was like, no. And she left the drawers open. And one day, Nikki said, well, do you know what? I'm going to become a drawer closer. And that story winds me up, to be honest. Because it makes me realize I have a long way to go in spiritual ministry. But Nikki's right. 
Nick is right. So, it's a good thing to think. The last thing I want to try and say, and this is really, really important. In God's kingdom, in God's kingdom, things are upside down. Okay? You, if you don't serve, and you may become the master here on earth, you may end up having billions of people serving you. They may give you everything. You may think, I'm popular and proud. Time and time again, especially in the book of Matthew, Matthew 19 and 20, God says, through Jesus, one day, the first will be last, and the last will be first. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, and yet forfeit his soul? Guys, this is important stuff. To believe in Jesus is not just to say the right words, it's to, to live the right way. To serve. In that bit from Philippians, it said that every knee should bow, every tongue confess to Jesus is Lord. In a world where everyone is looking after number one, if we look after the number ones, they may realise there's someone greater than them. Because after a while, when people start looking after number one, they realise actually number one's not so, not so great after all. I want to lastly encourage you. And this is a, a slightly cheesy link, but I don't care. We've talked about messy bedrooms today. Okay? I think for many of us, this is a problem. We find it hard to serve others. We, we're proud. We like to, to look good. And if you imagine your heart being a bit like a messy bedroom, I guess some of us need to tidy it. And the great thing about this is that this is Jesus come to tidy up messy people. If you have a problem here today with serving others, maybe others have let you down in the past. Or maybe you've just always been a bit like the sort of person that doesn't like serving. Can I encourage you now? We're going to just um, have a time of quiet before I teach you one thing. To be quiet and still and to say to God, Father God, I want you to help me serve. I want to see people as you see them and I want you to help me act in the way you would want me to. Because there's no point doing a sermon like this or a talk like this and not doing anything about it. So here's what I want you to do. Kids and adults alike, I want you to be quiet for a little bit. And I want you to imagine that your heart is a bit like a messy bedroom. And we're going to say to God, Father God, I want you to help me tidy this up. Because that's what Jesus came to do. So, guys, if you're okay, just be still and quiet where you are. Close your eyes. And then think about, is this something that really matters to you? Can you ask God just quietly to help you serve? Then I'm going to say a prayer, and I'll teach you just something at the end. Let's just be still and quiet for a moment. So, if this has meant something to you, and you know that your heart hasn't been a servant heart, uh, if you know that inside you're, you're, you're just a bit of a messy room at the moment, um, can I encourage you just to say amen to the, the prayer I'm about to say. Father God, I thank you that Jesus came to serve, that he gave up all the glory of heaven to come and live and die and rise again, so that messy people like us could be forgiven and have a life that goes on beyond this one. And Father, I pray that you'd help us to serve the world, to serve our families. Father, this isn't about having tidy rooms or messy rooms. It's about having close family, both here in church, at home, with our friends and our work colleagues and those who we know. So, Father God, I pray you would uh, tidy us up, clean us and forgive us inside so that we can go now and live as Jesus did, that our attitude would be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And, Father God, we need your help. So I pray you'd help us with the power of your spirit. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.